Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Health Shift, the podcast that bridges the gap between conventional modalities and ancient healing for complete mind, body, and spirit well-being. We don't want your health to be shit, we want you to make a shift. Please note that these discussions are not medical advice, nor should they be used in place of medical assessments and treatments. So let's get started. Today, I'd like to welcome Steve Genduso. Steve is a gifted integrative clinical massage and craniosacral therapist in the Boston Mass area. He works with one of the oldest integrative healing centers in Boston, the Marino Center for Integrative Health. A little history on the Marino Center, Lelio Les Marino was a visionary founder and generous benefactor of this organization, which was a pioneer way of combining the best of integrative and ancient healing with conventional medicine. His vision began back in 1993 with combining the mind, body, and spirit approaches. And Steve has a private practice on the South Shore of Boston called Space to Heal. I had the wonderful opportunity to meet Steve during my own healing journey from leukemia and subsequent worsening of SIBO, which you're going to hear a lot more about today, and candida due to the years of antibiotic use for my suppressed immune system. I now send so many of my clients to work with his healing hands because there is such an uptick in the gut-brain disconnection. We're going to dive much deeper into more of that during our discussion. So thanks for being with me here today, Steve. Welcome. Great to be here. Great. Okay. So tell us your story. How did you get to where you are today? You know, when did you get your calling that this was your path? Well, actually, that was quite a long time ago. I'd say I was around 14. Uh, I hurt my back. Mm -hmm. And um, my father was, he was, you know, he was more into the integrated stuff even back then when people weren't really, you know, thinking anything about the integration and he took me to a chiropractor and of course here in Massachusetts back then they would they weren't even uh they didn't even have a license so I went in he put me on the table did some adjustments I got off the table and I said "Ooh, there's something there's something to this but that was a that was kind of like the beginning of me uh getting into learning about you know the alternatives and you know, stuff that the uh, traditional medicine just didn't have. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. You know, and I don't even know if I ever shared this with you, but after I finished undergraduate school in nutrition, which was very interesting, but also very underwhelming because it wasn't really holistic based. It was, you know, calories, proteins, carbs, fats, and all calories are equal, uh, which is not true. Um, I actually went to chiropractic school for six months and said, wow, this is really interesting but I wanted to do more with nutrition and more talk therapy. So my grad degree was in counseling and psych. So very interesting. Yeah. So what were the, some of the obstacles that got in your way as you were sort of like moving forward with this idea? Well, traditional medicine, you know, when I first started, definitely wasn't too um, keen on, you know, anything that wasn't in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So what I was doing was totally different from the mainstream, but I see it as an integrated approach. I see it as, you know, a piece of it. The mainstream is also a piece of it. So the obstacles that I had was just, um, (laughs) it's hard to explain. I mean, people were, um, they weren't too keen on the alternative medicine back then. So I just, you know, I just knew that there was something to it. And I just kept going myself, you know, personally, because I knew that that was my calling. And I Mm -hmm. knew that it was definitely a piece of 
like what you do and chiropractic and acupuncture, they all seem to go in. So that's, that's when I was uh, doing the holistic approach as far as, you know, working with other people, but yeah, the obstacles definitely, I mean, it was in the media. I mean, so, you know, they would, you know, say, you know, stuff like what I do, craniosacral or any kind of clinical massage was, you know, it, they, it, there was nothing that they, it was just not, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. They just put everything down as far as the alternatives. Yeah. Because they just weren't, they weren't educated. Right. They weren't educated. So yeah. they got educated uh, over the years, because I've been doing this work for over 27 years now. So as soon as they got educated, um, then things started to change. Yeah. Things started to change and things were, people were more interested, even if they didn't practice it, uh, doctors would, you know, send people to me mm-hmm. because they knew what I did and they knew, you know, it was a piece and it worked. That's, you know, why I've been at the Marino Center for so long. Sure. That's, what exactly, that's exactly what we do. Right, right. Integration. Yeah, and, and the nice thing is they're, they're part of the Mount Auburn Hospital Collective now. So, you know, it really is, is more integrated into the hospital than, than a lot of these clinical ideas are, which is, which is really nice. Exactly. Yeah, we just actually merged with the uh, Beth Israel Leahy. So we're part of that big organization also. So now oh. we're really in, in, into the big uh, uh, arena. So that to me, that's, that's, uh, that's really exciting because I've been working with that personally myself since I started, that's, you know, I was talking about that, you know, 20, 25 years ago and people were looking at me like I had three heads, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's wonderful. And I'm, I'm really interested because I know I've actually benefited from your work with ileocecal training value. um, And then also many of the clients that I'm sending to you that have very complicated, again, anxiety, nerves, things like that, but then these severe gastrointestinal issues. So tell us a little bit, of, a little bit about ileocecal valve uh, work that you do. Well, the ileocecal valve basically is the valve that's in between the small and large intestine. So when the digestion is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, that valve can, can go off balance. In other words, it can be too fast or it can be too slow or it can bounce back and forth depending on what's going on. So what I do is I use two different types of treatments. One's uh, craniosacral, but it's also visceral manipulation where I actually go in to the actual valve and work with the fascial system around it. Cause sometimes the fascial system around it, that also can create its own restrictions. But the nervous system is definitely a huge component to that because the sympathetic nervous system goes straight to the digestion. So if that is overactive, <laughs> then <laughs> everything in the digestion or just about anything in the digestion can go off balance. So that's where, I mean, even SIBO or even uh, Candida or all these other types of, you know, digestive uh, issues like Crohn's and uh, IBS. And they're all, to me, they all have a nervous system component to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when the valve starts to go back to where it's supposed to, which what usually happens, it happens in conjunction with once you figure out what's going on with the digestion and what's going on with the individual, um, then you can work with that as far as the valve itself. But I work with the valve with people, every time I see them, you know, if I'm working with the digestion, I always check the valve to see where it's at because Mm -hmm. it can shift. And if that doesn't open, then things get backed up and then the toxins can get into the system and then things can get go haywire. 
Sure, sure. So then there's an increase in the leaky gut, so to speak. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, definitely celiac has a huge component with that too. I mean, when people have celiac, I've had people with celiac where it went into remission once they figured out, you know, what, what they needed to do and actually, you know, working with, you know, people like yourself as far as nutrition and they could be eating wrong. They could be doing a whole bunch of other things wrong. You have to figure out, you know, the core issues before, you know, you can figure out what you need to do. Yeah. What they need to do and what right. they need to do. Sure. Sure. And it really is a mind, body, spirit thing. It's interesting because, you know, when people come to me, they think they're just going to talk about food and diet. And, you know, when I start sort of like veering off track and I'm checking in about their yeah. stress levels and their sleep and all these other things, you know, oftentimes they're so uneducated about how these things really do impact things like our digestion. You know, it's just, it's really amazing. So how do you, um, how do you palpate or, or test for ileocecal valve um, uh, uh, health? Well, basically I go right exactly where the, the valve is. I go in vis with visceral manipulation, which is kind of a light touch. It's not as light as the craniosacral therapy. Craniosacral therapy is very light touch. Mm -hmm. What I do is follow, I follow the fascial system in to see what's going on with the valve itself. And then I let the valve let me know what's going on because I, I, I call it my listening station. I listen mm. to with my hand what's going on with the valve itself. And I can usually tell when it's, when it's, you know, there's different pulses that I'll measure with the cranial sacral system. So I use kind of both of them at the same time as far as treatments. Okay. But, okay. But when it starts to move in the direction where it goes, there's different pulses I'll measure. Um, but yeah, and also the person on the table, they also, you know, they, they respond themselves. They go, oh, wow, what was that? And if it starts to move or, you know, the digestion starts to, starts it's peristalsis going on. So and they're like, yep, that's, that's all good because yep. the system is trying to get back into balance again. That's the whole thing is, is bringing it back to homeostasis. Right, 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 right. And I know a couple of the really difficult folks that I sent you, they've had actually chronic constipation for most of their lives and using yep. a lot of, you know, herbals and things like that, that are, are very stimulating, but then can also cause the colon motility and activity to kind of the nerves to stop. Um, so that takes months, I would imagine, to really kind of get them reactivated, would you say? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it also depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. Some people it takes longer, uh, other people not so much. It, it also depends on how proactive, you know, the person is that I'm working with. If they're like come in and they say, I'll do anything you tell me to do, then those type of people, it, it's usually moves a lot faster. But yeah, I mean, it can take a lot depending on how long, you know, people have had constipation or, you know, I know SIBO and, and, and candida are something that you can treat. Um, but there's, you know, it's also the nervous system. Um, I talk about a lot of different things, you know, meditation, relaxation, that's all part of it to slow down the nervous system. So it doesn't slow down the digestive system because if the sympathetic nervous system kicks in, goes right to the digestion and then it'll just slow it down naturally because that's what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if it does it all the time, then that can throw off the digestion in itself. Yeah, yeah. So tell so it sounds like you've actually kind of created your own um, technique using both uh, manip manipulation, massage manipulation, but then also the craniosacral work. So tell us a little bit about your craniosacral work. Well, with the craniosacral therapy, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's another whole treatment. I mean, the craniosacral system is basically the head and the spinal cord and uh, the spinal fluid that goes up and down the spine into the head and back out. 
has its own pulse rate. And I usually measure that. The, the normal rate is between six and 12 cycles per minute. Mm -hmm. So if it drops below that, below six cycles, it usually lets me know that so there's a restriction going on anywhere in the body, not just in that system. So I can also check the uh, visceral cavity and see what's going on there as far as you know, the pulse is going through the intestines or the organs. Uh, sometimes the organs are not where they're supposed to be because of the fascial system and that can throw things off also. Mm, mm -hmm. Like the stomach is another. Sometimes it's mechanical. Uh, people will have reflux and what happens is the diaphragm, the respiratory diaphragm can get tight. And when that gets tight, it can pull on the stomach, which everything is connected to the fascial system. So when that pulls, it pulls the stomach and it throws off the stomach and the sphincter coming in can let the acid out and people have reflux, but it's not about, it's not the internal environment. It's the actual stomach moving where it's not supposed to. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of different things and through craniosacral therapy, I can usually pick up what's going on because that's a very subtle treatment through the fascial system plays a huge role in just about anything that goes on in the body because it covers everything. So yeah. So, yes, yes. So I'm sure that many people listening are going to say, so what's the fascial system? Okay. So give us a little brief, uh, science, <laughs> science, uh, history on this. Yeah. Basically the fascial system is just, just picture saran wrap that covers everything in your body, muscles, bones, organs. Uh, I call it the matrix. Basically what it does is it mm -hmm. glides over the muscles, glides over the bone, it connects into everything and it in when the muscles move it glides over so what happens is if a muscle gets tight the fascial system is also going to move with it but it's also connected to everything else so other areas of the body can be restricted because of another area of the body so the fascial system plays a huge role in the balance of just about everything that goes on in the body mm, okay that's, that's, that's really interesting. And what can people do on their own to help uh, keep their fascial system uh, not so tight? Well, it's uh, basically exercise, mm -hmm. uh, yoga, Tai Chi, uh, any kind of uh, resistance training, uh, weights, um, keeps the muscles uh, loose, limber. Mm -hmm. I'd mm -hmm. say walking is probably the best swimming. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do exercise wise that actually can keep the muscles um, from tightening up. And once they tighten up and that's when the fascial system starts to pull. Okay. Okay. And then it's like your saran wrap is shrinking. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like a, yeah. it's like a, uh, it's like a, a string that gets pulled on one side and the other side gets really tight and gets pulled on. Gotcha. So, yeah. 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 You know, it, it really kind of brings home that point that everything is connected. And yet, unfortunately, in our medical system, we are so disconnected because you go to see the gastroenterologist for one thing, the neurologist for another thing. And, and, and the other piece is they don't talk to each other, which is, is really, you know, very maddening for me. <laughs> yeah, I understand that totally. I'm, I'm pretty fortunate because where I work at the Marino Center, we're all on the same page and we all refer people to each other we all know what's going on with the individual and we kind of work with all the pieces and we don't separate them yes but unfortunately unfortunately in the mainstream across you know like the country it's it's not like that so. right 
Right, right, right. Yes, yes. And I remember um, many years ago, I was invited to go to the Marino Center um, staff meetings, and uh, and um, we would talk about cases and things of that nature. So it was really fascinating because I've been so interested in this arena for many, many years, long before it became, you know, sort of somewhat more traditional in the dietetic field. So that's great. So gut-brain connection, retraining, diet, supplements, you know, all those things certainly make a difference. And it sounds like in terms of the work that you're doing, you are working with, again, ileocecal valve, craniosacral, myofascial, um, to help get that gut and that brain connecting and talking to each other. Absolutely. I mean, um, the main thing as far as uh, speaking of the digestion and the, the rest of the body, the digestion uh, has a nervous system. It's, it's called the entric nervous system that... Um, directly connects, it's directly um, communicating with the central nervous system in the brain. So if, if the brain is doing some things like the, say the sympathetic nervous system is overactive, it can definitely affect the entric nervous system and there can be a disconnect between the two. And that's how a lot of conditions can, you know, come about in the digestion that's off balance, so. Sure, sure. And what do you see, you know, again, I've seen such a, um, an increase in SIBO um, and, and can't, well, candida, you know, for sure. And it's interesting because I just had a conversation with another traditional physician yesterday um, and it was an infectious disease doctor who said, oh, well, you know, candida, we don't look at that unless somebody has thrush or they're dying from AIDS. So I'm thinking like, okay, she's not talking <laughs> the same language that I am, but so many people are suffering with these things today. What do you think are some of the main contributors to it? Why do you think so many people are suffering with these things? Well, SIBO and candida, I would say uh, there could be a multiple variables with that. It could be what they're eating. Mm -hmm. um, if they're eating stuff they shouldn't be eating, they could be allergic to something that they're, that's not good um, for the system. Uh, the environment plays a huge role also. So if people are, you know, say chemically sensitive or... Yeah they're exposed to, you know, chemicals like mold, uh, mildew, uh, heavy metals, all that stuff um, can contribute to how things go off balance. But I'm thinking with candida, definitely. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's an overgrowth there. So that, I mean, that, that's something that's biochemical that can be worked out. Sure. But, sure. All, but the nervous system still plays a role with that too. That can definitely uh, uh, activate, um, the system more with the candida and the SIBO when it's activated. Yeah, most definitely. And, and sometimes it's, it's hard to know if it's the chicken or the egg because many of my candida and SIBO patients are also very anxious and it's hard to say, did the anxiety lead them, you know, more susceptible to it or did they have these underpinnings that led them to be more anxious? Um, and it probably doesn't even matter to know which, you know, which is the chicken or the egg, but there definitely is a correlation between some mood disorders and these conditions as well. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't separate anything. I, I always tell my patients, everything is connected. Yeah. The mind and the body work directly together. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if things are going on, you know, emotionally or, you know, people have a history of, of trauma uh, that can play a huge role. Cause I do treat a lot of people that have, have a history of trauma also that, you know, end up with, you know, candida and SIBO and a, a lot of different types of digestive 
uh, issues because the sympathetic nervous system goes right there. And if that gets overactive for a long period of time, something's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. Most, most definitely, yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the name of the Harvard psychiatrist who wrote The Body Keeps Score. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but I, I love the concept of that idea is that our cells hold on to these memories and that we have mm -hmm. to figure out ways to actually unleash them. And you know, for many people, it's a, it's a wide variety of things, but using a combination of, pro of approaches like craniosacral, ileocecal, myofascial, nutrition, uh, supplement support. And that's the other thing that I talk with my patients about is that the supplement doesn't replace the diet. It's only there to support the diet or the genetic challenge that you might have. <laughs> they think, you know, everyone's looking for the, the magic pill that's going to cure the ill. And um, there isn't one. <laughs> no, there isn't one. That's why I always recommend people, you know, when they come to see me that, you know, being proactive is, is 95% of the healing. Yes. Uh, when they, they start, you know, doing things, you know, in a balanced way, then, then things start to really, you know, go in the right direction, which is, you know, that's basically what everybody's looking for. But sure. yeah, there's no magic, there's no magic pill, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. That's, that's so true. Yeah. Um, so where do you see whole healthcare going? I mean, you're in a, you're in a beautiful situation right now, you know, with Marino Center, because that is such an integrative approach and it's been, you know, it's, yeah. it was one of the first places I think that, you know, had started that, especially on the East coast. Um, where do you see sort of in the larger picture um, things going in terms of whole healthcare? Well, as far as whole healthcare, I definitely see uh, functional medicine mm -hmm. where a lot of the doctors have learned functional medicine where they kind of dive in deeper into figuring out what's going on. They, they're not doing things surface oriented, you know, like this, this happens and you have to do that. They look into what's, what's going on. I think functional medicine is definitely going to be more in the mainstream. That, that's how I, I see it. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I think function, definitely functional medicine and that approach, which is more holistic because they, you know, people that are in, that, that practice functional medicine, uh, they, uh, they have all kinds of disciplines. So mm -hmm. that kind of brings everybody together um, in, in that aspect. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's how I see it. I mean, it may take a little while, but I've been working at this for, some, <laughs> for a long time and, that's my personal mission is, you know, get the uh, mainstream to uh, think more holistically in how they treat people. Sure, sure. And, um, and you've got a, a great thriving practice on the South Shore. So um, I'm sure that you have good dialogues with the physicians and, and other professionals in your area, too. So that's a way of actually kind of, again, making, connecting, making some of those connections and bridges. Exactly. I mean, I, I work with many Many, many uh, practitioners, uh, you know, of all kinds, whether they're um, primary care or other alternative people like acupuncture and chiropractic and you, you name it, there's so many different people, but we all kind of, we're, we're on the same page as far as, you know, we, we talk to each other um, it, in regards to the, to the patient, so. Yeah, yeah. That, and I think that's worked, that's worked very well. Yes, yes. And I, and I know, like, I'm, I always send you over my clinical notes for better and worse. But I feel like, you know, again, having that connection, and you're always so good about getting back to me about the patient in terms of, hey, I saw so and so this is what my assessment is. 
because you're reading things differently than I am. I'm looking at labs. I'm looking at biochemistry. Um, I was just talking with somebody earlier today and I said, you know, I wish there was an app that could really do a, a great nutrition assessment. Like look at the tongue, look at the eyes, look at the nails. Um, we're going to yeah. have to, we're going to have to figure out something like that <laughs> because exactly. if we're going to be doing these clinical assessments by zoom, um, this, we've got to have better technology for that piece. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's another whole thing. I mean, I mean, obviously the pandemic has, uh, changed a lot and I think yep. some of it is good. Um, definitely doing the zoom. I mean, I'm not really, you know, that tech savvy myself, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting there. Sure. But I think, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, the communication is definitely more readily available as far as people, you know, practitioners connecting uh, in regards to the patients. So that's yes. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, this has been so interesting to learn about so many different things that I'm sure people are either uh, on the fringe familiar with or may not even be aware of at all. So what are three tips that you have to offer people in this confusing healthcare world that they can um, that they can glean to take care of themselves? Well, actually, um, the, the three tips that I that I recommend to most people is a sleep is mm -hmm. the most important. Um, eat well mm -hmm. and exercise. Those three things are the main, and obviously re relaxation. I usually, you know, help people with any kind of relaxation meditation, um, anything that slows down the mind uh, daily is, is very good for the nervous system. And that is a huge component to how you keep the body, you know, balanced. But that's, the, I mean, it's pretty basic, but it's not at the same time. Right, right, right. I, I say it's the easiest, easiest things that we can do, but it's also the hardest at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's so many temptations out there. And you know, Dr. Google is, uh, is a good thing, but also a bad thing because so many people go on and they diagnose themselves and can be really off track or be starting to try new things that are not helpful for them. So yeah, connecting with professionals like yourself is, is really important. So how can people connect with you? Um, well, they can actually, uh, they, can, they can connect me through the, um, the Marino Center. Mm -hmm. uh, in Cambridge, or they can uh, reach me at uh, spacetohill.com space down to here on the South Shore. Perfect. Yeah, that's my private practice. Yep. Okay, awesome. That's great. Well, Steve, thank you so much. This was really awesome today. And um, if you folks like this podcast, please rate, review, and share with your friends, family, and coworkers. I am on a mission to change the current paradigm of healthcare and mental health care. And you can find me at juliefreeman.net on Instagram at Julie Freeman Mindful Wellness and on YouTube at Julie Freeman Functional Medicine La Jolla. Until next time.